Hi everyone, I'm Allie. And I'm Andy. And welcome back to another episode of Mary and Amanda, your book club and media podcast. Well, what's been new with you this week, Andy? Not a whole lot. I've been catching up with work from being on PTO last week while we were at the wedding. And then I also had my wisdom teeth surgery. So I had two days off from that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like walking back into a battlefield at work of people like not knowing what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So other than that, not a whole lot else is new, but we have the Chicks concert this weekend. Hopefully you can come. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully I make it as more of the. <laughs> okay. See if well. my car stands the test of I sixty five, but I should be fine. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm very excited. Either way, I am going. <laughs> so <laughs> whether you come and go is still yeah. up in the air, but I'm going. <laughs> I uh, did look over their set list. Oh, um, I have not. Or their average set list is what this one random website. So who's to say if it's real? But it seems like. Uh, half of them are songs off of their new album and then like the other half are songs that we know yeah that's expected yeah and, and like, that, the newest album it's not that louder. I love it I just it just wasn't as good as the old ones yeah and that might be our um what did I keep saying about the breakfast club oh nostalgia yeah, yeah that might be part of our nostalgia but also uh, that was a banging album so who's to say yeah yeah yeah, so yeah, that's coming up. That'll be exciting. Can't wait. Yeah, me neither. I hope I make it through this week. I've been working like 10 to... Uh, tonight, I'm probably going to have to go back and work like another two hours. So probably like hmm. 12-hour days. Like, we're just doing... We're trying to do a lot and not a lot of time. Um, and I'm starting to get tired. So hopefully, this will be a nice welcome break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else is new with you? Uh. I've had two experiments fail, but they were experiments that I didn't want to run, um, but my advisor wanted me to start with them. So uh, that's been disheartening, but I ran the experiment that I wanted to run today, um, and so hopefully this one is a little bit better. Yeah. Well, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. That's like the big stuff. I've been doing a lot of work, uh, not spending a lot of time with my friends, which is pretty sad. Uh, we just, like, all haven't seen each other very much. Oh, but this past weekend was my friend Blair and Kyle's birthday, and I did get to go up and play some board games with them, and we played a little Yahtzee. <laughs> Which For is... anybody who doesn't know, Allie is the most competitive person I've ever known. So oh! I'm, sure, I'm sure the rules may have had a little bending during the Yahtzee game. Well, I don't bend rules. <laughs> what have I ever bent a rule? How dare Monopoly. you? Monopoly. That is different. I cheat during Monopoly, and that's because it's expected. And if you guys are going to let me be the banker every time, then absolutely. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's no bending of rules. But I did, I did lose Yahtzee, so Mm. that hurt. I uh, there's an order form in the box, so we've had this same. The copyright on this game of Yahtzee that I have is 1996, and I'm willing to bet we've had it since the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. and there's a piece of paper in there that's an order form to get new score booklets when you run out of scorecards and the smith family has always just made photocopies of those but i want to send in that order form and see if hasbro honors like the three dollar fifty cent fully <laughs> included shipping uh that is on this order form um, so i think i'm gonna send that in later this week okay 
report back. <laughs> I will. I really hope they honor it. I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, well, let's jump into our book for today because today is the book episode. Yep. And I picked this book not really knowing a whole lot about it, but I have a friend from my horse riding days who reads a lot of books and then she posts just a like a one through five star rating of all the books she read for the month. She doesn't give any other explanation other than just one through five. And mm-hmm. so she rated this one. It was either four or five stars. So I took her word for it and thought it was going to be a good pick. And it's called In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. Yeah. So let's see. Let's do a little bit of background on Rebecca. And her last name is pronounced Searle. I think I said it's Surly in one of the other episodes, but it's Searle. Yeah, I learned that recently, too. (laughs) I had to listen to an an interview about it. Um, So she grew up in Maui, which, wow, that sounds fun. Indeed it does. Yeah, and then she currently has homes in New York City and L.A., and she graduated with a Master of Fine Arts from the New School, which is in New York City. Yeah, that's where my friend got her Master's of Fine Arts as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know where that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, a well-traveled lady. I can't imagine, like, growing up on a small island and then moving to New York City or L.A. That just sounds like a total 180. Well, but also, I mean, like, Maui is a small island, but it's also, like, pretty touristy, right? So... I mean, I haven't been, but yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah, so I imagine, I mean, there's like a lot of stuff to do. It's not, I'm just kind of comparing it to Dolphin Island, which is also touristy, but has, you know, like two restaurants and whatnot. So it's much closer to a small town than I am assuming Maui is. Yeah. Yep. And then, so she has, in her literary profession, she has a series called Famous in Love Mm -hmm. that went adapted into a tv show and the tv show is also called famous in love yeah she used to be a ya author so i listened to uh, bad on paper podcast which had an interview with her mm-hmm. and um she said that she well she started off as a ya novelist and then um as she i guess got a little older she started branching out a little bit more so mm-hmm. she seems to have written a lot more than i was at least aware of whenever we started this book yeah, I looked at her at her personal website just to see like her history of of work and that she had more publications than I thought or than I realized, but it's still like a fairly new author, I would say. Mhm. Yeah, that was the the vibe I was getting. Well, yeah, I mean, she's no like a I don't even know. I can't even like my mind Dying. blanks on like <laughs> JK Rowling from the 90s, you know, she started in the 90s. So Yeah, I I'm a Yep, or Val McDermott. Yeah, anyway. Okay, so this book in particular is in five years. And it was published March 10th of 2020, which I don't know if you remember, but I do because it's a significant date for me. March 13th of 2020, COVID was declared a national emergency or maybe Mm -hmm. even a global emergency. So this literally came out as COVID is exploding. And I wonder if maybe that was the reason why it got so much hype because everybody was staying at home and had nothing to do other than like read and bake bread and all that kind of stuff <laughs> all those things that everybody during covid were doing yeah 
Yeah. So, but yeah, like I saw it was on the New York Times bestseller list. It got nominated for a whole lot of different awards. Um, but I wonder how much COVID had an impact on that. Like, I don't know whether it made a significant difference. I'm I not sure. I think, I don't know, because also like COVID restricted the ability to do a lot of um, traveling around. Well, it didn't necessarily remove it because it essentially like the book tours had to be canceled. And so a lot of that moved online. And I know some of the publicity, or I guess a lot of it uh, happened online at that point. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's difficult yeah. to say. Yeah. But it was nominated for a Goodreads Choice Award for Romance, just as one of the nominations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, it wasn't her first book. That she, I think she had a couple before this one. Oh, she's had um, several. Yeah, many. Yeah. She has another very popular one called The Dinner List. Mm-hmm. I think preceded this one, but let me double check. It did. I want to okay. say. I thought, so, I thought so, but I didn't want to say that as fact for sure. I'm... No, you have me doubting myself, but I think it did. Because I, uh, yes, I'm pretty sure it did. 99%. I don't think the two of them are related, but they're in a similar style from what I was understanding in the interview I watched. Yeah, and it sounds like they were, they're both sad, um, sad books to read. So I don't know. So as a quick, like, quick three sentence rundown on this book, uh, just to refresh your memory, if it's been a few weeks since you read it. Um, It's all about the protagonist, Danny, who, uh, as the book opens, is about to have an interview for her dream job and then that evening get engaged to her long-term boyfriend, David, uh, which is right on track with her plans. Um, That evening, she has a dream or perhaps a vision of the future where she wakes up in five years in a different apartment with a different engagement ring and spends an hour with an unknown man who we call Aaron. Um, We follow her life and her friendship with her best friend, Bella, as she tries to navigate this future and sort of avoid uh, whatever it is that leads to her breaking up with David and getting together with Aaron, who's dating Bella. Um, And in the end, it turns out, yeah, and it turns out that Bella and Aaron have fallen in love. Bella has a pregnancy scare that ends in an ovarian cancer diagnosis. And sort of the book continues. That's about halfway through the book. And it just continues and how they deal with that um, as they move forward yeah that's a big the big overarching plot line <laughs> yeah and my actually I have a question so to me the overarching themes were like female friendship grief and fate and I viewed this not as much as a romance book but as a book about the relationship between um I guess Danny and Bella and then Danny and David which is like the opposite of romance would you did you view this mostly as like a story about Danny and Aaron slash Greg or did you view this as like sort of like what was the main relationship to you in this book yeah I didn't really consider it a romance either like yeah it had aspects of romance or like scenes of romance but I thought it was more about like self-discovery almost Mm -hmm. and and you said like female friendship I would consider that the the bond between Bella and Danny to be the most centralized relationship that's discussed. Yeah. Mostly about like Danny's self-awareness and growth and what does she really want in life and Mm -hmm. that I didn't really consider it a romance either. Okay, good. I was a little worried that that you had, but I'm actually glad to hear that. (laughs) Uh, 
because to me that's like what the whole book was about and what I enjoyed most were a lot of like the flashbacks where we got little snippets from Danny and Bella as they were growing up like Bella and Danny um, spending all their time together in their trundle beds and Bella like climbing out of hers and getting into bed with Danny because she had a bad dream like those were the aspects of the book that I really enjoyed like sort Mm -hmm. of exploring their relationship as it's changed over time because a lot of their adult life it sounds like Bella was kind of living in the same city but then also kind of in Paris or in London or wherever she felt like going at the time yeah I kind of considered her to be free-spirited like just kind of goes wherever the wind takes her and not really tied down to anywhere or anyone in particular yeah I liked her a lot for that yeah I liked Bella probably the most of all the characters but I will say I listened to the audiobook for this and the the narrator or the reader did a really good job of um, like tone of her voice and inflection and like her normal, normal speaking voice was fine. Except for the voice that she used when she would read Bella's dialogue. I thought it was tiny and annoying, but all the rest of it was great. <laughs> I, I also listened to the audiobook and that was like my one complaint was that she gave Bella such a whiny voice. Yeah, it's, like, very snooty almost, but, like, I didn't consider, yeah, Bella had, like, family money, but I didn't really consider her to be, like, stuck up and snooty. Yeah. So I I thought that the voice that she used when she would read Bella's dialogue was a little bit weird, but other than that, I thought everything else was fitting. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Which sucked because Bella was my favorite character. Yeah. Well, I also really liked Danny. Like, Danny, to me, was a very realistic protagonist, and I think- Um, a lot of times it, for a book like this, or if this were made into a movie particularly, the protagonist would have been Bella because she's like the yeah. pretty wealthy, free-spirited one who ends up getting cancer. Um, mm-hmm. And I just like really liked Danny because it felt like she was very down to earth. And while she was like controlling and had no idea what she wanted in her life, I don't like I just enjoyed her growth throughout the book, though I didn't love the ending, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, I also feel like if it was made into a movie, it would be the point of Bella rather than Danny, because I feel like Danny would make a really boring movie. <laughs> how dare you? Like she, well, I mean, how many times did she go to the little cafe to get a fish sandwich bagel? Like, come on, girl, change it up a little bit. Your, your, <laughs> your day-to-day life is so meticulously routined that, like, it, that would make for a boring movie. Maybe, but that's, like, what people's lives are like. Like, I wake up and I eat, like, maybe a sausage biscuit for breakfast. Or I wake up every day and I, like, brush my teeth first and wash my face. And then I go make my coffee. Like, I think that that's very yeah. realistic. I don't think it's yeah, boring. So it's, it's very realistic. It would make for a boring movie, though. Okay. Well, I didn't think her character was boring, at least. <laughs> that's funny that you say you brush your teeth first. Because I also brush my teeth before breakfast. And Adam thinks that's backwards. Oh, no, I... I've recently changed my routine. (laughs) It's a whole mess. We don't need to get into this. (laughs) Anyway, okay. But yeah, so the four main characters that we see are Danny, who is a lawyer. She's got a five-year plan. She's been engaged for almost five of those years to David. And I feel like she's got a weird definition of what love is. And then we see David. Hold on, hold on. Before you move on. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I don't really think that she had a five-year plan so much as she, like, had these big milestones she wanted to hit at a certain amount of time. And then she was, like, asked in her interview where she thought she saw herself in five years. 
So she was like, at 28, that's the perfect age to get engaged. Like, at 30, that's the age you get married. Like, you don't move in with someone until you've lived with them for two years. Like, I think she had these set expectations, but I don't know that it was so much like a five year. I don't know. I guess to my, in my mind, I don't know. But I think. Yeah. We- I don't know. I know that the, the author in her interview that I watched said, Danny has a airtight five year plan. Okay. So. Well, that's not how I read it. Well, anyway, I also thought that she just had a weird definition of what love is. Yeah. What Personally, do you mean by I- that? Meaning like. She was saying in the book, she hasn't really experienced what love really is like, except with her relationship with Bella. Mm -hmm. But her relationship with Bella, she is so controlling. She doesn't, like, she's almost like Bella's mom. And so just like, I don't know, Bella can't do anything on her own. And she feels like she makes Bella feel like she's so small and insignificant and she has to make all the decisions for her. But I don't know. It just felt like if that's what she thinks love is, that's that's very weird. I guess I didn't really see her. She's a controlling person, but like Bella also like spent time away from her. So in my mind, she wasn't controlling Bella's life so much until she ended up getting cancer. And then it was like, panic mode you know and then she was like going to all the doctor's appointment was like well we should do this we should do that I don't know yeah from the flashbacks we were getting of their childhood Danny always had the more controlling aspect to their relationship do you think she really loved David no okay so David her loyal fiance which David is probably the best character at least in terms of like I don't know just an all-around good person that this whole book is featuring anyway he's very loyal to danny he works a lot he's patient he's just an all-around good guy mm-hmm. doesn't serve what comes for him but yeah i don't know i felt sorry for him by the end of it <laughs> sorry <laughs> well i don't I know. like that no i like that so, yeah he was so overly patient like just giving danny more and more time and years and like we'll do yeah. things face and like then he finally just breaks down and is like look you don't love me. You don't want to get married. Like, just admit it so I can move on with my life. Like, you've been bringing me along for this long now. And I don't know. He didn't deserve that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think you're right about that. He um, he definitely got the short end of the stick. Like, he loved Danny a lot more than Danny loves him. Which, yeah. it happens. Yeah, unfortunately. And so then our last main character is Aaron slash Greg. Which, at one point... Bella even asked Danny, why do you call him Aaron? Because she introduced Greg to Danny as Greg. Yeah. He always called him Aaron after that. And she never answered the question. (laughs) Yeah, which was pretty funny. Well, because she couldn't. And that's like my first big question about this book. Was Bella or was Danny right to just like not tell Bella at all like this dream that she like that's why she calls him Aaron and like she's seen him before well I wouldn't have even let it get that far I I had a a weird dream like that and me and this person Bella were you know best friends that tell every everything to each other all the time and I had a weird dream I don't think it would even matter that his name was Greg or Aaron or whatever I would just tell Bella I had this crazy dream listen to this his name was Aaron he looked like blah 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 and then like 
five years from now when we happen to run into or like I get introduced to him I would have been like Bella that's the guy from the dream like yeah never let it get to that point where I couldn't say anything because it was too far down the path right I agree like I think I thought that she told Bella that she had a really funky dream did she not or did she She only tell her therapist she might have mentioned it in passing but I don't think she ever said it to Bella like what yeah, happened? I don't think she like got into the details at all because I guess in in Danny's mind it was probably <laughs> I guess she didn't want to admit that she like wasn't with David anymore in this dream and like wanted to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, uh, but I I think partic- I think it's worse actually that whenever she was introduced to Aaron slash Greg, I'm just gonna call him Aaron from here on out. Yeah, uh, that when she was introduced to him by Bella, I like. I think that at that point, it was a huge disservice to Bella to not say something then. Yeah, if you haven't said anything to that point, now is the time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I one of my questions for you was, would you have written off Danny's vision as just a weird dream? And then if not, what would you have thought when you finally met Aaron? Until she met him, he was just this unknown guy. But then when she actually met him in real life, real person, I don't know. I would have probably just been like, that was a crazy dream. And and then when I finally met him, be like, whoa, okay, this might be a sign vision. I don't think I'm crazy. I have had like a couple dreams before where like either I'm remembering the dream wrong or it's just close enough to the dream that like it evokes it in me mm-hmm. that... It's, like, been just tiny snippets, though. Like, I had a dream once about a a high school meeting for this group that I was in where this friend that we had, like, fell over in her chair. And I had a dream that that happened. And then, like, a month later, it actually happened in real life. And I was just like, oh, okay. But then I've also had a dream before that I didn't know. That was a very vivid dream. And I didn't know the people who were in it. And... When I got to Dolphin Island, I thought that maybe I had somehow accidentally dreamed up these people, similar people to I'd met down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the difference is that I would never like put such stock on a dream like this. Like if I'd had this dream, I would wake up and be like, oh, that's weird. And then just like move on. And then when I met Aaron, I'd be like, oh, that's really weird. And I would tell Bella what had happened. Yeah. So in my mind, like, yeah. Like, if I had had this, I wouldn't put that much stock in it. But once I met him, I definitely would have to say something. Cause yeah. I mean, like, because you just have to write it off otherwise, right? Because it's just a dream that you have anyway. Yeah. So did you think that Danny was purposely not allowing her five-year plan to come to fruition because of this dream slot or, or not? I, yeah, I think that it was always like in the back of her mind where she was like, well, this isn't where I spent that hour, that one day in 2023 or 2025. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it, yes. In my mind, I think that she definitely like always had this just in the back, like, but this isn't where I end up. Like, but David isn't the one I end up with. And so every time they tried to set a wedding date, I think that maybe subconsciously, but in the back of her mind, it was definitely like, this isn't where my life is going, you know? Yeah, I think she sab- she self-sabotaged herself. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Or chose a different path and wasn't willing to admit that that was the path she wanted. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of Danny and Bella's friendship? 
Um, I don't know. Like, I thought it was, I don't know. I thought it was cute. I thought that they supported each other. I understood their fights and everything, but I guess it was, it was very nice to see the way that it had changed over time and how they like welcome new people in and uh, kick other people out. But I do think, oh, maybe, yeah, like, one of the most controlling aspects of Danny was her, like, not liking anyone that Bella dated. Yeah, I kind of mentioned that as, like, almost Danny being so protective that, like, nobody's going to be good enough for her. Or if, if I can't have her, nobody can, even in just a friendship way. Like, mm-hmm. if I can't still be as close friends with her, then nobody else gets to be with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very controlling. I did not think it was a healthy friendship. Well, I don't know. They supported each other, but there was some overstepping there for sure. Yeah, I think mostly overstepping, like Danny overstepping on Bella's territory, not letting her make her own decisions and live her life. Like, yeah, even when she got terminally ill, Bella had to be like, look, I don't want you here right now because you're being so overbearing. Like, give me basement <laughs> i know but at the same time like danny was losing her best friend to a to a cancer and so she's like very focused on the facts of everything and trying to process it in the way that she could and i think that she probably just needed to go to more therapy at that point yeah but that's <laughs> so- not something you or i so like i cancer runs in my family right so like my grandma had breast cancer and ovarian <laughs> cancer and my grandpa had throat cancer, but we've like never actually had to deal with a close friend, right? As far as I know, at least getting terminally ill this way. No, not that I know of. So I was also trying to think like what would happen if you or if like Molly or Alexa or Megan or Caleb, like any of them got terminally ill, like how I would react to that if I lived near them at the time. And I, I think, don't like, I was thinking about you being in a sickbed and I was like, well, yeah, I'd want to go to all the appointments if you had absentee parents and I was like your main person. Yeah, I think that's the the part that probably doesn't help Danny and Bella is that they they live so close together that it's almost, I bet Danny probably like felt an expectation like I have to be there for all the appointments because Bella's mom is off somewhere and her dad is in Paris and whatever and I'm so close like there's no reason for me not to go like if it was the situation with you and me that wouldn't be you would probably wouldn't feel that expectation because you're not close enough to make all those appointments and stuff like that right but even if we lived nearby I think the other difference is also like you have a husband right now who would be your main support system and if I were in Tennessee like my mom is still in my life she would be there for me but Bella right. didn't really have a ton of people in her life that were long-term. She had, like, a lot of short-term boyfriends. She had very flighty parents who mm-hmm. were not at all concerned about her cancer diagnosis. Right, yeah. Like, I, yeah, I don't, like, I could also see myself being like, I'm sorry, I gotta be there. Like, I'm, I'm the only one you have. Yeah. And I think when Aaron gets introduced, it's obvious at first that Danny's like, oh, he's just gonna be a passing a passing blip on this radar he like no but nobody ever sticks around that long but then when he does and I think Danny's like taken aback like why would you why would you put yourself through this pain when you don't have to like nobody's gonna expect you to stay knowing that like 
you haven't known Bella very long and you know, you're not committed to her in that way. You don't have to stay. And he does. I think that like throws her off, but I thought at least up until the end, Aaron was a pretty decent guy. Like he seemed like he really was in love with Bella and like was there for her and was like, no, I'm not going to leave just because she's sick and all that. Now the end things take a turn, but (laughs) well, yeah, I don't know that Aaron was that great of a guy. I mean, he was, he was basically her version of a husband. He was there at all the appointments and her like sick sickliness in the house and stuff like that. Yeah, but then he also, so we'll we'll get to the very end. What I what I want to talk about right now is the kiss between them, which is I think also your next question. Yeah, like Aaron kissing Danny in any situation, like that really negates a lot of what he did for Bella for me in in my mind. Yeah, me too. I think once that scene happened, I was like, hold on, okay, this dude's not what I thought up until then. He was actually committed to Bella and like in it for the long haul, even though he knew she was terminal, whatever. The whole scene of Aaron and Danny kissing felt like it came out of nowhere to me because I didn't get any insight up until then that Aaron was even the least bit attracted to Danny or like, like to me that came out of left field. Did you see it coming like that? No, not really. And I wonder if, I mean, like it, could also be, you know, there were some time jumps in there. So maybe they just spent some time together that we didn't see. But it really did feel like, because that happened, if I'm remembering correctly, that happened after her diagnosis, right? Yes. So I think when Danny was trying to find that apartment on, I don't know if it was just a random day or what. And she ran into Aaron and he was like, oh, I'm going to go check out this apartment. Do you want to come? And was it then? No, it wasn't then. That's when they first ran into each other. I think it was after the diagnosis. Okay. Maybe we should... Can we go... Is this something we can Google? Because I don't want to be wrong about this. Because to me, like, anything that Aaron did during the whole... Like, supporting her in the initial stages of chemo and surgery and whatnot felt very performative after he, like, kisses her best friend after the fact. So, like... Him being there doesn't really mean a lot if he was doing it either because he got to spend more time with Bella or um, I'm sorry, Danny, or just because he felt like he had to for Bella because he was already in this. Yeah, I didn't really understand the motivation there after Aaron and Danny kissed. Like, I just see it come in. I didn't get any insight that either of them were interested in each other romantically. Like, I didn't feel like Danny was interested in him either. And so then when they kissed, I was like, what is happening right now? Like, this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's part of it. Like, I think, I don't think it's supposed to make sense in this book. And I think that's like part of the reason why I don't view this as like a romance book, because like, I don't think that 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 played a lot into it. I thought that was like a sign of betrayal for both of them. Aaron betraying Bella for their like new relationship and then also Danny betraying Bella for like allowing Aaron to kiss her. I don't know. Just the whole thing was weird. I was like, this, this just doesn't, the storyline doesn't make sense now. (laughs) It was definitely a huge mistake. And I understand why they probably didn't tell Bella because she was actively dying. So like what good does it come from it? I think is an argument that they might have made in their minds. 
But again, like I think that was a huge disservice to both. Yeah. And and to David, who I do think David really did get the short end of the stick here. Yeah, like he I, at one point in Adam and I when we were listening to the audiobook, at one point when um Danny is hanging out with Aaron one of these times, I told him, I said, Whatever happened to David? She just like left him high and dry. He's at home at their apartment getting them takeout every night, having dinner at ten o'clock and waiting for her to come back and like <laughs> I don't know. He's he's the, the good guy in this scenario and what's he getting out of this? Well, I think a lot of that is that uh he worked a lot. Like he and Danny were both big workaholics, which is something mm-hmm. that I will never understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I think a lot of it happened while he was probably working and didn't realize what was going on. Yeah. And then, you're right, he does end up, like, going back home, and then Danny just, like, doesn't come or shows up late or isn't willing to set a date for their wedding or wants to postpone. So, here's another question I have. So, like, they'd set this date, and Danny's, like, trying to push forward this wedding so that she's legally tied down or whatever, and she thinks that's going to be the end of it, and then she won't have to deal with this situation in which she and Aaron end up together. But when she approached him and he was uh, was like, I want to postpone it for Bella, essentially at the time when they broke up. And she was like, I want to postpone this for Bella. Because she got this cancer diagnosis. Um, was he justified in leaving at that point? Or was she justified and being like I don't know if I can do this without my best friend and like all the emotional turmoil that she must have been going through I mean if that was really the case then if I was David I'd have been like well then let's go to the courthouse tomorrow like why wait longer if you really want Bella to be there let's just go tomorrow and yeah about the people who were there not about the flower arrangements or the dress and all that other stuff but that wasn't what she was suggesting yeah exactly I think yeah I think that's how David knew that she didn't really want to get married because yeah in my mind too like okay fine if that's what you want let's get all our parents together or siblings or whatever immediate family and Bella and we'll go to the courthouse and then we can throw a big party later yeah but that wasn't what she suggested so I think yeah he was I think he was justified and if I were him I would have probably had that conversation months or years ahead of time ahead of that point but he also didn't suggest it either. Like, he was never like, let's just elope. He also wanted the big wedding. Yeah, but I think it was at least understood from my end that he was just trying to be patient and not rush her and do things on her time. Yeah. Hmm. But I did see your question that you have about, um, would I have been able to entertain a job across the country and plan a wedding with somebody who was terminal and... That's a lot. Like the the fact right. that she went across the country for that month long job, which I think ended up turning into more than a month. Like I don't know if I could have handled that. Like if my if either of my parents were terminally ill and I live you know thirty minutes from them, could I take another job even just temporarily across the country? That would be a lot. I don't know that my head would be in the right space to like do the job well. Planning a wedding, I feel like you can do that in between other things from a distance. But, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? That it was very shocking to me whenever David was like, yeah, you should do this for your career. Like, he was like, absolutely, you should go. Like, I don't, I, yeah, I could not imagine 
in that situation, like leaving for a whole month when I thought that my friend was either dying or I was trying to plan the big event, like all of that felt like a whole lot for her to just skip town for. And I think that maybe that plays into her avoidance of everything that she tries to avoid. Danny tries to avoid. Like maybe that also factored into why she was just like, okay, I'll, I'll leave for a few weeks and go to LA and help these lovely ladies and her and their startup. Love to hear about them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I also don't think I would have been able to. And like you said, she just has her priorities out of whack. Like nobody should prioritize work over everything else. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. We've lost any workaholics that we might've had <laughs> up to this point. I take pride in the work that I do, but look, I'm not, I'm not working till 10 o'clock every night. Sorry. <laughs> Well, this book opens with Danny like getting what she considered her dream job that she'd been dreaming about since she was like 10. That I think she says like every SAT prep, every minute of every day had been going to this. Like, do, have you ever had really like a dream job like that? I was just about to say, I guess my dreams aren't that big because I've never had anything like that. <laughs> well, like uh, my thing is always just like, I don't dream of labor. So I don't really want to, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a dream job like that. <laughs> that uh that meme before it's like i do not dream of labor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my biggest like i saw a lot of me and danny with like her avoidance and her somewhat controlling uh behavior like a lot of that i saw in myself as much as i hate some of the, those things mm-hmm. but like this every time she brought up her work i was just like ah danny ah david we are so different yeah so let's talk about the end. Um, one of the things that I did like about what uh, Searle did in this novel was that she gave us the vision of the scene from Danny's point of view um, early in the book. And then at the end, we essentially got a retelling of the same scene from mm-hmm. with a better understanding of everything that was going on. And yep. what was going on was that Bella had died, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aaron and Danny had planned her funeral and then they essentially slept together right after her funeral and that's the scene that we get in the apartment is like Danny waking up after the funeral and going in the kitchen and encountering Aaron so I think neither of us really liked the ending what did you not like about the ending so a lot of it um I (laughs) I did not like that essentially hours after they had Bella's celebration of life event they go back to the apartment together like excuse me why are you doing that that's uncalled for that should not be happening in the first place and then she takes a nap and wakes up and then she all of a sudden can't remember who he is but like you were just there with him a couple hours earlier and you've known all this time now so i didn't understand why she acted like she didn't know who he was oh Uh, i i thought that that was just more of her being just a little confused after she woke up she knew who aaron was i think she was just confused about the whole situation because she just woken up from a two-hour nap yeah maybe so at the end not at the beginning at the beginning it's obvious that that's not what's happened yeah at the end she didn't like re-rifle through the wallet or anything yeah that's Uh, true like, yeah. I think that she, she knew who Aaron was, but it's just more confusion as we all get after we wake up sometimes from a nap. Yeah, that's true. What day is it? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, I also did not like that she was wearing Bella's engagement ring. Um, that is not yours, ma'am. 
Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, like, Bella, first of all, should not have given that to Danny if that was the exchange. And if it wasn't, Danny definitely shouldn't have decided, I think I'm going to keep that. That is that Aaron. (laughs) Even... I, I don't like I, again I would accept maybe like a ring like in a situation where again I hate to say you dying because I hate to envision that <laughs> um, maybe in a world in which Adam isn't your husband for as long as he has been um, like you giving me something like a piece of jewelry but in that situation she definitely should not have been wearing it on her engagement ring which is where she or finger which is where she was wearing it right yeah so is that should either yeah i agree like if that happens like sure turn it into a necklace wear it on your wear it on your right hand <laughs> but come on girl that's just weird and so anyway they they have this night together and then the next morning aaron's like so uh do you want to just like meet up for brunch every now and then and like obviously it was a one night time thing mm-hmm. and like for their grief maybe yeah yeah i don't know so i read some questions that um rebecca searle prepared for anybody who does a book club and (laughs) one of her questions was um were were the readers upset that she did not make it danny and aaron get together in the end long term i i thought it was weird for them to even have that one night stand together if they weren't gonna pursue anything in the future so to me it's like finalized in my head like okay Aaron's not that good of a guy after all like he just decided after his fiance passed away literally the same night as her celebration of life to sleep with her best friend and then be like all right peace out let's have lunch sometime yeah I read that I yeah, I think that it came from a, a place of great grief that neither of them really understood how to process. I think maybe I'm giving more of a break to Danny than to Aaron because Aaron's yeah. like a little, sh- uh, <laughs> not a nice person. Um, but I yeah, I think that it came from a place of grief. And then it was kind of like, well, what do we do now? And Aaron was just like, well, maybe we should get lunch sometimes. And to me, the way I interpret the ending is like they don't end up together, and in my mind, they don't even really spend that those like the weekly lunches together. Like I think yeah. that that was mostly like a grief thing, and now maybe they'll see each other sometimes and talk about Bella. But for the most part, like I was very glad that they didn't end up together long term. Oh no, I am too. But I also think that Danny is almost more in the wrong than Aaron because she's had this lifelong friendship with Bella and literally the night of life celebration she gets with her dead friend's fiance. Yeah. Like, girl, I don't care how delusional you are from grief. You just know you don't do that. Yeah, she shouldn't have done that. I also wonder if... I wonder... I think I'm projecting a lot onto Danny, but I wonder if maybe um, part of it was like her trying to fulfill um, like feeling that fate was stepping in and like, she didn't really like, this was what was supposed to happen was that they were supposed to just sleep together and get their comfort and then part ways. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't, yeah, I don't really, I don't, I understand them getting together, I guess a little bit out of grief, but I don't think it's fully excusable. And um, yeah. Just with it being literally the same night as the celebration of life. I was like, I it would, you don't think it would have been worse if it happened like a week later? 
I think that would have been better than the same night. Okay. I think it made it was better in the same night because their emotions were probably a lot more raw that time than if they'd had like a week to process everything. And then they were like, well, let's just get together, you know? I mean, no, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just thought that the end, the ending was weird for me. And um, then pop that off. The next morning, Danny, like, goes into the cafe to get her fish sandwich bagel and runs into Bella's doctor and essentially is, like, saying something on the last couple pages of the book, like, oh, I hope I get to see him again soon. Like, what? He's the he's the doctor. <laughs> yeah, he was a nice guy. It was hope for Be- uh, for Danny's future. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't it said that the doctor was friends with Bella's dad? Meaning, I guess not exclusively, but I kind of took it to mean that the doctor was roughly the same age as Bella's dad. I thought that was a different doctor. Oh. This was their, like, oncologist guy. I thought that that was a different guy who referred them to this guy. Oh, okay. That that makes it a little better then. I thought this was the same doctor that was friends with Bella's dad. No, I think that that was some guy who referred them Okay. Well, I could be I could be wrong about that. So in my mind, yeah, they were a lot closer in age. Yeah, but... I I didn't fully realize that. I mean, I guess yeah, she was seeing different doctors throughout the time. But I just thought when it mentioned the doctor, I thought it was the one that was Bella's dad's friend. No, because I think that he was. That's why, like, whenever they first visited him, he was like, "Well, let's run some more tests and see what happens." Like, I think yeah, the first doctor guy was the first guy she went to. Hmm. And then she got, I, I could be wrong though. That would I, make me, that's probably right. And I was actually, I was happy that she had that little bit of hope for her future. But yeah. the entire time in this book, I like kept, every time there was like a switch in the story. So like when Bella gets cancer, I was like, well, son of a gun. Like either she's going to cheat on her best friend with her best friend's husband while she has cancer or like even worse to me, I was really hoping that this didn't happen. I'm so glad it didn't. That Bella would get to the end of her life and just be like, you and Aaron belong together. Like, I know she had the speech that I appreciated where she was like, I'm sorry, you've never really had love and I hope you find it. But yeah. I'm really glad she wasn't just like, and here's Aaron. He's such a great guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very glad that didn't happen too. Yeah. Um, and then my last question is, uh, so the two gals who did the podcast said that they cried at the end of this book. And Rebecca Searle said that this was the one book that she's written where she cried at the end. Um, did this book make you cry? No, it did not. I got sad when Bella was going through her chemo treatments and like like that scene, those couple of scenes. Yeah. And, the, you know, her throwing up all the time and being yeah. so weak and having like feeding tubes and all that kind of stuff that is sad to listen to or read but no overall no yeah and i wonder if maybe that was just because it wasn't the protagonist who died so we didn't get her voice as much but i also didn't cry i was a little sad about that i was sad that i wasn't more (laughs) sad yeah uh let's see the one other question you have that I think you gave your answer, but I didn't give mine, was have you ever had a dream that seemed so real you thought it was a vision of the future? So you said you've had that dream about the person we went to high school with, right? Yeah. And then But those aren't like full dreams. That was just like a little snippet that I remember, you know? 
Okay. Well, have you had a dream that, that seemed so real you thought it was a vision of the future? Not a vision of the future. I've definitely woken up and thought like, oh, this is happening right now. Like, oh, somebody's in my room right now, you know? <laughs> Scary. Scary dreams. But never like uh, visions where I've been like, ah, yes, I've spent this hour with this person and this is how this is going to turn up. No. Mm-hmm. Have you? The only dream I've had a little bit similar to that would be I had this dream that I was driving driving down um, our street and I was following this little girl who Ooh. was like running ahead of the car. Oh, like, no. Not, not, not in a scary way. She was just like running down the road and I was slowly following behind her. And I knew in my dream that that was my daughter but that was before I found out if I was having a girl or a boy. Yeah. A premonition <laughs> of do sweet Rosie. But like somehow in my dream, I knew that that was my daughter. But in the dream, the girl had like long, dark brown hair. She was probably like three or four at the time mm-hmm. in, uh, in the dream. And then later she was walking around the house in a big pair of my shoes. You know how like kids put on big boots and stuff sure yeah she was doing that and i knew she was my daughter but like up until then we didn't know yet if we were having a girl or a boy and i was like it's got to be a girl because why else would i dream but this was like when you were still pregnant or not still pregnant when you were pregnant pregnant but i didn't find out yet if i was having a girl or a boy okay wow from that day on i was like it's it's a girl i just know it she knows she can (laughs) see the future but if it had ended up being a boy, then I would have been like, oh, well, that was a weird dream. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have thought too much into it. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess neither of us really uh, believes too much in fate from the sound of it. <laughs> I think you have the option to change your future. Okay. I think that was the other big thing that I was always mad about this book with Danny she was like I really don't want this future to happen and I was like okay then just like don't spend a lot of time alone with your best friend's fiance like that's end of story like yeah don't put yourself in that situation yeah like if you never knew who that guy was that's even less of a problem yeah and ever did meet him and you find out oh that's my best friend's new boyfriend you're like okay look I can never be around him by myself ever yeah and you make it not happen you don't just sit back and like well if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen (laughs) yeah or like where in my mind where she had still like I don't like cheated on uh, they cheated on Bella together like in my mind I was still just like well just like you don't want to end up in this apartment just like don't do it (laughs) yeah don't go there (laughs) yeah anyway that's about all I have for my notes um, I think my only other note is that I asked my friends from New York about the neighborhoods where they lived mm-hmm. <laughs> and the aspirational neighborhood that David and um, Danny wanted to move to, which I think is called um, uh, Gramercy Park. They were both like, oh, yeah, that's like the Ritzy Ritz neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like you would definitely see like two high powered corporate people doing that. Mm-hmm. But then the other uh, neighborhood that they mentioned, which was, I think, Murray Hill, where they first moved. Um, they were both like, oh, yeah, like frat stars would live there, you know, like very broy, college kind of situation. And I was just pleasantly surprised to know that the author got these neighborhoods right, which makes and, sense that she lived in New York. And then Dumbo. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Dumbo. I forgot no. about that one. 
Dumbo Park, Brooklyn. I just looked it up. <laughs> so, of five uh, stolen engagement rings, how many do you give this book? I'm going to say... I'll give it a four. It was good. Right. Yeah, I think I give it like a... Maybe like a 4.1. Uh, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like, it was a shorter good read. Or listen, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so you, you listened to it? You didn't read it? No, I did not read it. I listened to the okay. audiobook. Yeah, I wonder how long of a book it actually is, like, in page numbers. That seems like something Googleable. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't, like, it definitely wasn't a black cake, but <laughs> <laughs> that one's going to be hard to top. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That was a good pick. Yeah. Um, Speaking yeah. of... Other than just, like, the very end, I thought it was a good story. Yeah. Me too. I enjoyed yeah. it. I have also, so I have selected the next book if you're okay with this book. Okay. It's one that I wanted to read. It's Stanley Tucci's biography, autobiography. <laughs> it's called Taste My Life Through Food. And so I'd like that to be our next book. Okay, cool. And then our next short story is Driving a Hard Bargain by Val McDermott. Did you double check how long that one was? <laughs> It's like eight pages or so. Eight or okay. nine. Neat. Yeah. All right. Um, Thanks for joining us on this episode of Marianne and Wanda. We would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review. You can reach us at Marianne and Wanda Podcast on Instagram or send us an email at Marianne and Wanda Podcast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.